Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. I bet that when Eve Durante went to New York City's Queens College to major in psychology, she had no idea that years later she'd wind up being the brains and the creative force behind The Vine, a tomato-based organic food company. Some backstory. Eve married into a big Italian family and learned a lot from her mother-in-law, Angela. Eve would help Angela with the shopping, prepping, cooking, and serving of Sunday dinners, summer barbecues, and holiday meals. But Eve's culinary passion for delicious, clean eating was very much on display in her own home. She cooked and baked for everyone and was always on the receiving end of rave reviews, especially for her homemade tomato sauce, which she bottled and handed out to family and friends. Even her sauces were so popular, she knew it was time to take her passion to another level. And so in 2015, the vine was born. Its products, five flavors of tomato sauce, four salsas, and a honey-sweetened ketchup are certified organic, non-GMO verified, certified vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, kosher, and low-sodium. And they can be found in more than 2,000 stores nationwide. Also, the Vine is 100% a woman-owned business certified by the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. So let's not waste any more time and meet this passionate, committed, not easily intimidated one-woman band. Eve, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Sandy. Growing up in your immediate household, and this is kind of a sexist comment, was your mom a good cook? No. <laughs> okay. And so you just ate regular food, she not was, very sexy. She worked. You know, she was a good cook, meaning like she cooked very plain, bland. Uh, she wasn't gourmet. They were adequate and, yes, meals. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's not that you mm-hmm. were sent off into the world with this passion. No. Mm-hmm. And so you figured that you were, what, going to be a psychologist one day? I never finished school. Uh-huh. I went for two years and then I had to work. My father passed away uh-huh. and I helped support my mother. Uh-huh. And um, basically, I just uh, loved food. I loved fashion. So I was always, my pastime, I would read a lot of magazines and I would see all the food ads and everything. And I became kind of like a foodie reading about it. And then as I got older, I started dating, and then I would try different restaurants, and that's when I knew I had a passion for food. So you loved the experimenting yes. of going out to dinner. And is that what you and your husband would do together? Would uh, that be an evening's entertainment, uh, so to speak? Yes, basically, um, when I got to know his family and I saw what a large family he had. And, you know, I came from a Greek background, um, not a traditional Greek background. Because Greek food's good food. Yeah, and, you know, my my when I, at holidays, you know, I would go to my grandmother's and she cooked, but it was never anything elaborate the way my mother-in-law did things. Mm -hmm. And my mother-in-law, my mother was, um, I guess, very strict growing up. So I really didn't get to express myself. And when I went into my husband's family, everybody expressed themselves no matter what it was. And they just talked about everything. And I guess... So they were open. uh, Very open. uh And... So that was quite loud. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody could get a word in edgewise at dinner time. Everybody and, would talk over each other. And, and did that kind of excite you or yes. intimidate you? Or? That kind of felt where I belonged. Uh. Um, getting to know my mother-in-law, she came from a similar background as I did growing up. 
and we connected. In what sense? Similar, it, um, Meaning her mother was strict. She wasn't able to express herself and do what she wanted to do. And, and, and I, she didn't I, have a career. She was hindered. She didn't have a career. Right. She was a housewife. Right. And, but she had so many ideas in her head that mm-hmm. she wanted to do. Everybody would, you know, not listen to her. She was not really respected the way ah. she should have been. Mm-hmm. They kind All, of blew her off yes. in a sense. Including her husband was a wonderful man, her sons, but they were just brought up differently like the mother was supposed to stay at home take care of the kids yeah, cook yeah. and clean that stereotype so sure. she was really a domestic engineer she huh. i think because of not having all this she was introverted never left the house she was fully dressed like as if she was going to a party every single day by wow. herself wow so i just everybody just like didn't do anything about it they were just um Ex- that's the way she was. Well, there were there were certain expectations, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. That Angela, your mother-in-law, would be the one who would provide, the, you know, nurture, the, yes, do and, the, and the meals and the cleaning and the whatever. Mm-hmm. But you, I had read that you would go on these sojourns with her. I would drive her because basically, to Italy, yeah. yes, I would drive her, and we would go to all the places she wanted to go. She would send my husband, my father-in-law, her husband, yeah. would send a driver to go pick everything up. And I told her one day, don't you want, she goes, I wish I had the, I wish I could go do things on, you know, my own. She always felt like she couldn't do anything. And wow. that's kind of like I felt growing up, like I got stopped from certain things. So driving, I was okay with, you know, I would get lost, but I would be able to find my way. And I took her to every single store she wanted to always go to. And she would spend hours in stores just looking at packaging and different things. And I got into it. At first, my other sister-in-laws thought I was a nut Uh doing everything. But I really enjoyed her. Uh I really, like, spent so much time with her. She would call me, like, five times a day. No kidding. Every single day. And um, So there was this incredible connection that the two of you had. And when you were schlepping her around, Around, it was to iconic Rest. Little Italy, which mm-hmm. is cheese and Parmesan from a certain right. store, and we would we go might as well Sullivan have been in Italy. Street, yes, yes, mm-hmm. Sullivan Street Bakery, uh, to pick up the breads, and I would go knock on the door five o'clock in the morning to get the big loaves of bread, and she would sit there and slice, and she would start preparing her Sunday meal on Friday, uh-huh. and I never seen anything like this. My mother just made beige chicken in the oven, and that was that. And sure, she, it was nothing, and the way she sliced the garlic and did the onions. I was like amazed watching her. And so you were soaking all this up. Yes, I was just like learning and watching and she was a control freak. She wanted to do everything herself. Mm-hmm. So, and her you way. Know, and she cleaned up herself. She was literally a domestic engineer. Wow, that's she knew exactly she would save her baby food jars. Uh, from when her and her kids were older, and she would have paper clips in one, and just have everything lined up like kind of such a, in uh, such like a an order. OCD, right? In yeah, a yeah, good yeah. OCD mm-hmm, or something. Mm-hmm. But it was everything was lined up. Her cabinets were all like in order, like with everything showing with all the food, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. And she would always buy fresh. And then um, I would ask questions as she was making and what she was doing. And then when I started to travel in Italy and different restaurants, I would compare. Mm -hmm. And I was able to taste, I guess, from having such a bland palate growing up, the flavors. I I knew what spices they were putting in every food. And I just knew what I liked, what I didn't like. And as I 
got older, I became more health conscious because I saw that cooking with, you know, butters and heavy creams and that it's really not, it might taste good, and, right. but you can't eat In the long a lot. run, yeah. And then with everybody in the family having high blood pressure, <laughs> diabetes, stroke, you know, I we started to refine everything. So she would put less But that was salt. that was your doing. That you, was my doing. So you were the mentee at most times. You were also able to quote, educate her as well. Yes. Which she didn't want to hear that. She didn't want to believe all that, that it was bad for you. But as she got older, she wasn't able to have 30 people over her house. So then, Which would be a typical Sunday dinner? typical. Crazy. And clean up. And she didn't want to use the dishwasher. She washed everything by hand. (laughs) That is a control freak. I can't live without my dishwasher. So you were a sponge. Mm -hmm. I absorbed everything. everything. And then I started to cook myself when she got sick and she wasn't able to do it. She would come to my house. She wouldn't go to anybody else's house except for mine. And my sister-in-law, Diane, because she loved, you know, my sister-in-law. She passed away from breast cancer, my sister-in-law, and um, raised two beautiful sons. Um, So after she would come to my house, I revamped a lot of the recipes into my style of cooking. I took out the salt. And I would ask her, how come, you know, what do I have to do to put less salt? She would say, add more onion and garlic, add more. So I started to realize, and I started to study nutrition. My cousin's a nutritionist. So we would go over, like, I wanted to learn, like, more about calories and nutritions and sodium levels and everything. And what a lot of companies do, and it's all about money and price, is if you add tons of salt, it brings out the tomato or the garlic. It brings out the, the flavors. Flavor. Yeah. And if you add sugar, it sweetens it. So you have to put less of the ingredients. And tomatoes and garlic and everything to buy fresh is expensive when you're doing large. Right. So I right. noticed something might be organic, but that doesn't mean it's fresh garlic. It could be powdered garlic. And it's a big difference. And it shows difference in the vitamin contents and all the stuff. And I started to learn and read and do. So when she passed away, she always wanted to uh, see her name in lights or do something, you know, with her passion, which was food was my passion. And I says, you know something, I perfected tomato sauce. I could do it. I started to get involved in my community, my son uh, school, and I was giving it out and I was participating in all the fall fairs and the cooks. So you had, whatever. you had the lemonade stand. Yes. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Except it was for tomato sauce. Exactly. So everybody would say, ask me where I bought it. So I told him I made it. And then when I was making it. Word got out, Then word got out. I started giving it away. And they were like, you have to do something with this. And my mother-in-law, her last wish, she pushed me to do this. And I was going to do something. I didn't know what. I didn't know anything about business because I was a homemaker. I was a mother. So you did not work. No. And during your marriage. No, I was was a caretaker of everybody. Between my mother, my mother-in-law, I was... Taking I mean, yeah. everybody to the doctors, I was just more of taking care of Was everybody. that okay with you, by the way? I just did it. Yeah. I, it there wasn't was no okay thinking. with me, but I just did it, it, it wasn't because okay who with else you. was going to do it, and I just knew they wouldn't be comfortable doing it with an aide or something like that. And, you know, it, it's just, so I don't it, know it how it became to my you, role. Yeah, which you, in a way, cultivated, right? Mm-hmm. Do, was there ever any resentment about that? 
at times I was resentment with myself because I felt like I couldn't get out of my own way and this is what I did to not look, deal with my own issues, help mm-hmm. everybody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, and slowly I just, after my son was born, I started to say I have to change because I have to change for him. Right. So I just learned to say no to a lot of things because I was the type of person if somebody asked me to do something, I couldn't say no. And you would so, give 110%. Yeah. And I just did that to help them, which made me feel good. But then I said, let me do something that I want to do. I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about... So I just went and did it. This initial steps of being home and bottling your own tomato sauce, what would be a typical day of cooking? How many jars of tomato sauce back then would you have bottled? About 100. Of which you just were handing the yes, stuff out. Yes, mason jars. Mason yeah, jars. Yeah. Were you going anywhere special to buy the ingredients? I was buying everything that was grown in the United States. Mm-hmm. I didn't do imports. I figured in the beginning I did. I put Reggiano Parmigiano and I couldn't find an organic cheese because she used, uh, she, I wanted to do everything organic. I wanted to be all my ingredients to be 100% organic. And not processed. And not processed, not preservatives. Um, Why did you want it organic? And what did you know about organic? I, I started to, I would read a lot of magazines. I was always a reader of uh-huh. different things. And I just re- realized the processing, the chemicals. And then I would look up the names of cellulose. I was like, you know, I see cellulose. What is cellulose? Right. It's supposedly organic. Then I looked it up. It was tree. It was yeah. they would grind tree and they would use that as a filler. If you put X amount percent, I called up the FDA. If you put a certain amount in a food, it's not going to hurt you because it's kind of like a fiber. But I don't want to eat tree. Right. I, why are they putting in tree to save cost? So they're taking tree grinds and adding it to a tomato oh, sauce. No. Oh, I didn't know that you were having a maple. <laughs> right. A so, maple right. in your tomato sauce. So I would look up every single ingredient and I would write it down. And I just knew that this is what's happening to our food. And there's women that work. All my girlfriends and all my friends were professional women working. And they were looking for a fast way to, you know, not have to spend hours in the kitchen of cooking. They weren't. They would cook together with their husbands or they both contributed to ordering and do. So they they would buy organic, you know, we lived in Whole Foods. We mm-hmm. always went to, you know, organic places mm-hmm. to buy our food because of that, because of health reasons, because I don't have a high blood pressure problem or anything, but I didn't want to have that bloated feeling every mm-hmm. time I had salt. Whenever I had something really salty, I couldn't get my rings off. Right, my sure. So I know something that. Yeah. had to contribute to it. And as I got older, I realized blood pressure and heart attacks and all these different things are contributed. I mean, you have to eat large levels of it to get to that point, but diabetes... Yeah, it's pretty prevalent. All our packaged foods have contained so much sugar. I think America is addicted to sugar. That's my opinion with, you know, from readings. If 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 people bothered to read labels like they Mm -hmm. say, it would be jaw-dropping. So here you are. The wheels are turning in addition to what you're actually physically doing. And then at some point, like I said, in 2015, you said to yourself, this is bigger than I am. This is bigger than my kitchen in Long Island. 
right? Yes, because what happened was I couldn't make it fast enough. And then I got insurance before that because what if something went into, you know, like a piece of dust of hair or something went into the food? I needed to have coverage. But at that point, you weren't selling no, the food. You were I just still giving it giving out. Giving it out. But uh-huh. I still was well, giving it out yeah. to people I didn't know. And then I would just say, just email me back what your opinion is. Uh-huh. And I got so many good responses. And then I took it to the next point. I looked into, I was reading for about four months about how to co-pack your product. So I looked up co-packers. And because I wasn't at the level where you know, the bigger companies could be at, you know, a thousand cases minimum amount of to place an order. I had to go to the small guys. And when you go to the small co-packers, which I didn't know, I went in, I started off at the co-pack. And well, the, I never heard of the term co-packer. Co- I don't know what that means. A even. co-packer is a, ma- a food manufacturer, somebody that you go with your recipe. And what they do is they order the ingredients. You have to approve everything. Yeah. And then they make your sauce in large quantities in these big vats. It's a big factory. Yes. And so a co-packer could be working on your products as well as mine. Yes. And so you figure out on your own that you needed a co-packer. Mm-hmm. And so a match was made. Yes. The first one I started off with was in Connecticut. Uh-huh. But what I noticed was I didn't like the facilities. It wasn't clean enough. I just felt that when they leave something open and then they get to it, and I, I just didn't feel it didn't comfortable. Sit well with you. I yeah. would go to every single production, and it would take like sometimes it would take 19 hours to do the whole thing. And I had to go. I stayed there, and I went the next morning at six o'clock, and I was on top of them. They didn't like the fact that I was there all the time. I would think so. And yeah. uh, they can't do what they can't get away with certain things. Right, and ha- so, as if to say, "Hey, look, lady, we've been right. in business, and you don't have to tell us what to do." Exactly. Kind of yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I would go. Maybe a friend of mine would come from Pennsylvania, and she came with me with my on my first production. She wanted to see the whole operation, and then as I I wasn't comfortable, then I moved to another co-packer because I grew. I was in a couple of stores, um, and then well, I you're went jumping to the- ahead. Wait, you're mm-hmm. jumping ahead. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're again, forget the co-packer for a second. You're basically still a one-man band. Yes. Okay? So you read about it. You find a co-packer, and you get into a couple of stores because what did you do? Go to the local... Grace's Market. So you did everything. I went In the beginning, I did everything. I went in. I got in. I went to a food seller. That was my second biggest account. I went in, and he took... Uh, big orders. He had three stores and he says, I'll give you end caps. I told him how I started and he, and he, he did, you know, he took all end caps and it was selling and then I couldn't produce it fast enough. And this is only tomato sauce at that point, tomato right? Sa- at the very beginning. two sauces, two, two flavors. At like, you know, name the flavors. What were uh, they? It was the original marinara and the um, uh, butternut, butternut squash. Butternut squash. Mm-hmm. So it, from the time that you did this, Till you, in a sense, till you got to the co-packer, how long, how how long did that take? Well, it took. It, I researched and learned, educated myself on all different articles. I called up companies. I called up the fancy food show, the SFA. There's women there that guided me and told me, you know, what to do. They gave me different clients that they helped, and I just read the information. I bought tapes, and I was listening to tapes on how to get started to get your product to the market. I called up a couple of distributors, but I wasn't big enough or in any stores for them to take me on, so I self-distributed myself. I 
loaded it up in the car. And I, my whole family room was loaded with cases of sauce. I didn't want to keep it in my garage because I was scared with the weather. If it's, you know, so I would load it in my car. My son would help me put it into my trunk and I would deliver it myself. And then when I got to a point where I knew that I needed more instruction and more direction. To go to the next level, you mean? To go to the next level. That's when I went to the co-packer. Then I outgrew that co-packer and went to a bigger co-packer, which that co-packer did everything according to my recipe. And I was at every production run. He kept on telling me, you don't have to be here. But I felt because my name is behind this, I just wanted to be there to make sure I took photos of everything happening. Holy cow. I have thousands and thousands of photos because I don't take notes. I, you know, remember everything. I just, uh, the photo helps me. And after that, I started to notice a taste in my sauce. The first year he was fine. Going into the second year, it just tasted different. And I told him that he's, and he told me sometimes the onions and the tomatoes are different at each season. I just didn't buy that. So I did my own investigating. I brought Hector with me that works for my husband because he w used to work in a factory, so he knows a lot about that. So, you know, just to observe, to notice if something wrongdoing was happening. And he didn't see anything wrong. Then I looked at the, I remember the boxes of fresh cut onions and they were bags. And I remembered it, it just looked like they were less. So I got on the scale and I weighed myself on their big scales that they weighed the ingredients. And I noticed that I was 60 pounds. And there's no way I'm 60 pounds. <laughs> That's so what I, I was found, at birth, for heaven's sake. So I, yeah, me too. So I found out what the problem was. They were putting less ingredients in uh, and getting away let, with it yeah. and not claiming it. And that's why. And so then I didn't tell them because I figured if I right now I told them that I wanted to pay to add more onions uh -huh. because I knew if I lost them, then what Where happens to do? my business? Yeah. So I says it needs like, you know, whatever, 40 percent. We figured out the numbers, how much more to add. So they added and they charged me. Then I looked for another co-packer. You were the one who paid for everything. And how did that fly, for example, with your husband? At first, everybody said to me, there's a million marinara sauces. Yeah, you're, what makes you're things... You're not a yeah. famous chef. What, right. are you, what are you doing here? And, uh, you know, you're and not so going to trying to blow you off in yeah, a way? Yeah, everybody did. Uh-huh. Um, except for my mother-in-law. Even my own mother said, you know, she didn't make a comment. She was just not saying anything. Mm -hmm. I just had this drive that I says, I'm going to give it a shot. And it, and I managed the money correctly. I designed my own labels. I did my own sell sheets. I did my, I just figured it all out. And I, it, it didn't cost me a lot. And then I just got to the point where I said, I have to invest in somebody that's going to have knowledge in the business that's smart, that could write beautiful letters and stuff. So I hired um, Felice that works with me now. And uh, she knew every aspect of the business because she was in the food business prior. And um, but they still got the blessing of your husband. Yes, my husband, who said, yes, yeah, whatever says, it costs, give, yeah, I'm, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, he was skeptical, but he's like, you know, you do whatever you want. I says, I this is what I want to do. And he, is this not a very expensive venture and well, initially? And um, I'm not asking you to give no, me specifics, it, but it's, it's it, not cheap when you're hiring. It's all, it's not farming this stuff out when you the ingredients and the product was, but it was selling. 
So I was breaking even. Ah, so my right. investment, okay. I would give it to everybody at cost uh -huh. just to get it out there. Mm -hmm. Then as it got out there, I knew my production rates, what he was charging, the co-packers were charging me, were astronomical. And I knew what the right number should be. But I wasn't at the level of volume mm -hmm. in order to get to that point. So I was breaking even, and it maybe it was costing me um, at the end of the year for the labels and the jars and, you know, all the ingredients. I was working from five o'clock in the morning and I sometimes would put hours until nine o'clock at night nonstop. And a lot of it was reading, mm -hmm. like asking questions, calling, making phone calls. Then now that um, last year I got into um, the one of the big co-packers, they have the non-GMO, the everybody's checking everything which is a great so you can help. you can really exhale right. at so that. So I don't even have to be at the productions, right. which right. I still am in the beginning. Yeah, um, like I'll go, I'll taste everything. He's so consistent, and I'm so blessed to have this co-packer. You know, real, and it's right in my own backyard. So you come up with five flavors of tomato sauce, following the marinara and the butternut squash one, as you said. Mm -hmm. And then how did this morph into salsa and ketchup? My son is sports everything like his life is sport. he okay. loves sports he's glued to the television uh -huh. from i would have to yell at him could you go do your homework enough of these uh you know uh -huh. so he his friends would come over and they would buy a salsa and they would sit in front of the with their TV chips and right? their chips and just like scream at the television mm -hmm. and everything so one day i looked at the ingredients and i looked at the salt content 700 milligrams of salt and sugar and all these chemicals so i just took fresh tomatoes i started chopping it up myself and i started to put it in the food processor and make it all his friends were like Where'd you get this? Where'd you get so this? So they were your guinea pigs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they loved it. Then I would give it to their parents. Mm -hmm. And that's how that and came And then you brought it off right. to the mm -hmm. co-packer also. So you're yes. now adding to your repertoire. So I added. And then I added the two new flavors maybe about a year ago. Okay. The black bean mango and the mango habanero. Are your salsas very spicy? No. And then ketchup was born. The because catch. why? The Every time I would go to my cousin's house, my cousin Mike... He loves cooking. He's my cousin's a school teacher, and she's like very happy that her husband comes home and does everything for her. He loves to cook, and he's a great cook on top of that. So one day I went over there, and he's making his own ketchup. I says, what are you doing? I says, it tastes just like Kind's. It's so delicious. He goes, yes, without fructose uh, yeah, and all yeah, the, yeah. you uh -huh. know. And I was like, wow, this is really good. So that's how the, and I told him I would love to do a ketchup because I'm doing everything tomato-based. I says, the only thing is I don't like adding sugar to my products. He would use the cane sugar. They also like to buy everything non-GMO. So he says, why don't you try with, you know, sweeten it with like a fruit or sweeten it with honey or something like And that's how we experimented. And he helped me come to the ketchup. And so then, as I mentioned in the introduction, you are obviously 100% woman-owned. And I didn't yes. say women. I said woman, One, singular. And certified by the Women's Business Enterprise National Council, which, what, gives you tremendous street cred? I mean, it's, why do I need to know that? Because women are minorities. 
And, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think by being women-owned, a lot of the big stores like Central Market or Ingalls, the big supermarkets, they get credit from the government when they take women-owned companies. Oh, interesting. So, uh-huh. you know, so that means instead of paying $40,000 slotting, it would be half or something. They arrange, you know, it's cheaper to get into the stores. But are your products specifically geared to specialty stores or are your products in chains? Yes. And in spite of the fact that I would assume that your salsa, that the vine salsa costs more than the really mass-produced salsa, correct? And that hasn't hurt you in any way. No, because basically a lot of the stores in the beginning that I got into was all health food stores. Health food stores were always looking for a new product that's healthy for their customers. Right. So that's how I started with the health food stores. Then I went into like uh, specialty stores like Grace's Market, Balducci's. Um, well, those are all local yeah, stores yeah, local in New in, York. In New York, yeah, the yeah. Northeast. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then after I got into with the distributors, now when I got into with the bigger co-packer, uh-huh. the distributors took me on such as UNFI, uh, Kehi, and they started to bring it nationwide. So then my name started to get known nationwide and when I would do the food shows that's how I got to meet. What do you mean the food shows? A uh, fancy food show. All the distributors have like four trade shows a year. Ah, so okay. all the stores from all over would go there and they would just go sample around and that's how they tasted the product, they liked what was in it and they ordered it through the distributor. Are you turning a profit? At this point, I'm breaking even, but I'm in over 2,000 stores, and eventually, well, you know, I did donate some profits to um, Red Cross. There was one other thing that that you seem to promote and push about Himalayan salt. I just, Why are we commenting about when that? When I first saw Himalayan salt, I looked, took, bought it because I saw it was pink. It looked different, and it I, I tried it. Uh-huh. And it reminded me of kosher salt Yeah, because mm-hmm. I use kosher salt mm-hmm. a lot. And the way it's processed, it's healthier for you than traditional table salt. So I started to use Himalayan salt in the products, and I used less salt, and it would bring out the same pop ah. as more and um, so you and, didn't have to travel to the Himalayas yes. to get the salt. No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to add to your repertoire in terms of food items? I think everything tomato based. That I, I and you, you said know. also that you use California tomatoes. California, right? yes, we because, get our tomatoes from California. And because why? The weather is nicer. They're grown. They, you know, it's, and is that it's, where that's part of the United States? I mean, I could get better pricing if I get it from a distributor that gets it from all over, but I'll never know where the tomatoes coming from. It's mixed. They come from Italy. They come from Mexico. They come from not that those those tomatoes aren't good. I, I just understand. Think it's but the fact cute. also is that the name of your company is. Because tomatoes grow on the vine, Vine. correct? I mean, you have to get up pretty early to fool me. And Rick, to go back to the question that I asked you, what would you like to add, if anything, to your repertoire? You have any of those wheels turning in your brain? I think I might do a pizza sauce because now with all the cauliflower pizza dough crust. Oh, interesting. Uh huh. Just something easy in a smaller jar Mm -hmm. that's that's fun to make to teach children Mm -hmm. about nutrition and and I think that today a lot of the mothers, and I think they're just so more everybody conscious, health, yeah, conscious, food, con- yeah, yes. health conscious. And so, how do you feel when you look back over these past four years to see what you truly gave birth to? I mean, it's pretty impressive with you doing this for the most part 
solely. Yes. I mean, come on, Eve. Do you not say, oh, holy cow, I can't believe what Sometimes I pulled Sometimes I out. say to myself, oh, my God, I can't believe, um, you know, because there's an obstacle every single day. There's always something happening, a phone call. And I try to, my whole thing is I just make my list and I just go on. I don't have time to think anymore. I don't have time to think mm-hmm. on my own. And I just keep on going. It just wakes me up in the morning to want to work. I never felt like this in my life. I say this every time, and I comment that I say this every time I meet a woman and have a conversation with her, regardless of what the obstacles may be, or the fact that, oh my God, this could be just like climbing Everest, but I'm not going to stop. I'm going to give it a try. Look what you did. You're in over 2,000 stores and nothing can stop you. I just want to spread a good message and I want to be able to donate to women charities. To give back. Yeah. I understand that. Well, you should, you and know, all I charities. mean, yeah. not for yeah. nothing, Eve, you know, sit back and enjoy your success. And really, you deserve many, many pats on the back. And I have sampled your um, your products. They're delicious. I know we'll hear more from Eve Durante and The Vine. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you for having me. It is totally my pleasure. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Sandy Klein.